Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. So I'm going to interview Leslie Lark. Can you hear me? We've had some technical difficulties. I hear you fine. Oh, we're on there. Okay. Yay. So you were good friends with Liz Larkin. So we got Leslie Lark and Liz Larkin who went to the same high school and she just said, you have to interview her. She's so fun. She's got a great story. And then you guys were like great friends and after high school, separate studios. I want to hear your whole story because there's so many similarities, but different and how you, you probably didn't even know each other's full story until you hear the podcast and say, wait a minute. I didn't know that part. So welcome, Leslie. Can you tell a little bit, well, tell where you are now and why this might be tricky with Wi-Fi. Where, where are you residing at this time? Um, well, thanks. Um, I am, and thank you, Liz. Um, I'm on Hawaii Island, also known as the Big Island, and um, on the east side, which is up the coast from Hilo in a town called Laupahoi Hoi. And um, so, we, you know, people complain about internet connections or Wi-Fi or whatever you want to complain about. Um, what, you know, we come back with, well, we are in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's where I am now. Um, this will be our eighth year here. After, and we moved here basically upon my husband's retirement, but then he went off and did another job. Um, so we've been here ever since. Okay, we'll have to do a circle back to that to see how you ended up in Hawaii, which is very different than Carson City. Like if you had known you're in high school, oh, you're going to go be in the biggest show in the world on the biggest stage and live in Hawaii. I think some of our lives, if we had known that in junior high, we would have been like, no way. So you grew up in Carson City. For those who don't know, that's outside of Reno. What is it like 20, 20 minutes away? It's not that far. It's about 30 miles and it is the capital of the state of Nevada. I finally learned that after a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and um, my family moved there when I was 10. I started, actually when I was nine, I started fourth grade. And um, we moved there from Winnemucca, Nevada, which is where I started ballet lessons. So if you heard of Winnemucca, then just know there was a ballet teacher there <laughs> and that's where my sister and I started ballet lessons and um and apparently this woman Roma Bosch um I looked her up and um it I mean it's kind of it's cowboy country it's seriously rural and um, but we had heard that she had a Russian ballet training so um I think I just, you know, somehow or another in Winnemucca, Nevada, we fell into the lap of this Russian trained ballet dancer who had a dance school. <laughs> just that, that you went to school, a Russian ballet in Winnemucca. I used to laugh at that name. And then someone said, you're from Puyallup. You can't laugh at the name Winnemucca. Right. <laughs> but it's still a fun, it's just such a fun word. And it would be hard to take it serious that you're going to like do serious dance when you come from Winnemucca. <laughs> so were you and Liz in the same high school but but okay you have to tell about your dating thing too because that that was a, okay. <laughs> such a fun connection so um 
at, at some, well, we moved to Carson City. We found ballet school and um, it was run by Carolyn Woods Johns. And, uh, and that's where we met Mary Beth. And uh, she goes by Mary Massingill. And, um, and the memory part is vague and Liz will, can clarify, but um, I don't remember meeting her at the dance school. Um, and then soon after um, the new teacher arrived, Fern Pinkerton, and um, she started Pinkerton Academy of Dance, which Gina Kasky took over many years ago. I think it's renamed now. So that studio, you know, that that went forward in time. And in fact, you know, one of Hello Hollywood Hello's dancers has taken over. And and uh, so ask Gina all about that. Okay. <laughs> and um, anyway, so my sister and I went to that studio and, um, and as I learned from uh, Liz Larkin's interview, um, we, as she did, we also studied with San Francisco Ballet on scholarship and, um, and for two summers. And then I was offered a winter scholarship when I was, I think, 14 wow. to study with the company. And, you know, here I am from not just Carson City, but Winnemucca. <laughs> and, and, and we had a great time in San Francisco. Oh, my gosh, we got up to all kinds of antics. And um, at, at the same time, you know, I, I just couldn't imagine leaving my family and being away in that big city and doing nothing but ballet. And uh, retrospectively, of course, you know, on point, I would have been six feet tall. And that's possible if you're a fabulous soloist, right? Yeah. But if you're just chorus girl material, that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> well, Liz, um, like there's such, I'm so amazed because like, I don't, I know I remember you in the show a little bit, but I remember watching Liz, like she had excellent training. And that's where I think, you know, it's not coming from a big city. It's coming from a smaller studio, which I think needs to give credit to, you know, these teachers that are not the well-known studios, but there's amazing teachers everywhere. So yeah. you, you, if the fact that you got a scholarship, like definitely, you know, you're that material, did you want to be a ballerina or were you just doing it for fun? Oh, yeah. I mean, being a ballerina was really what I think, you know, without that, I probably would have been, you know, partially demented. I don't know. <laughs> I, I was unbelievably shy. I, I mean, I just did not talk to anyone. Um, I, I always had like a friend um, or maybe a couple of friends, you know, about as many real friends as imaginary friends. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, and ballet, all of a sudden, I mean, I took to it and it worked for me. I just, it felt so good. Um, I wish more people would talk about, you know, runner's high and dopamine about what dance does you usually hear all the negative things about how grueling it is, which is all true and competitive, but, um, but yeah, the, the joy of being able to execute a triple pirouette on point, you know, yeah. for example, your grand jetés and, and Hey, I didn't have to say a single word. Um, you know, it was just, it was just win-win. I was a fish to water in ballet. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. 
you know, I've done a lot of interviews and a lot of them are, are people that were shy and it's not, it, I don't know how many, I've, what <laughs> words have I've heard anybody who was voted most popular or most likely to succeed. It was more of the ones that were more quiet that yeah. probably surprised everyone. If you went back, you know, if you went to your reunion, like, Oh, do you know what Leslie did after high school? Like, it, it probably, you know, astounds people that it's not the ones that you assume that are going to go off and do these things. It's the quieter ones that finally get to be seen differently or, or define their truer self. So did you pursue that all through high school? After 14 yeah. and getting that scholarship? Yeah, which of course I didn't do. And, um, you know, it, it wasn't too long after that, that, um, and, and I'm sure it happens with probably most dancers in small studios as you begin to out, well, those who went and trained elsewhere, um, you begin to outgrow your studio in that, you know, you could probably, if you had teaching ability, you could probably teach as much or as well as your own instructor. And, um, and also going through those teen years, I'm sure ballet kept me out, ballet tap and jazz, kept me out of a lot of trouble, but really, I just want a boyfriend, like more than ballet at this point. That was the hardest, uh, the biggest challenge with continuing the dance is that I just, I was just really busy trying to find a boyfriend somehow. (laughs) Yeah. And I was going to get one in ballet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, probably not in Winnemucca. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I did, um, I did, and most of us did because, and but as we got older, and and you know, we ended up getting jobs and cars, and um, hopefully boyfriends. Yeah, then when it it kind of turned into dabbling in dance, um, and then lo and behold, you know, the show came to town. Okay, go back and tell me about Liz Larkin and you dating the brothers before we go to that, because that's a funny connection. It is pretty funny. And um, so, gosh, I met my boyfriend, you know, on a street dance, which was kind of a summer activity in those them there parks. That's what you could do. You could go to a street dance and, and somehow acquire, you know, some beer while being underage. And, um, and these guys, um, they grew up on the res, um, Chippewa Indians, and um, they both had blonde hair, um, you know, because of the mix. And, and um, so they grew up fighting you know, they, they, they were on the res. So you you don't have blonde hair on the res. You get picked on a lot, but um, so these guys were kind of wild and crazy. My boyfriend's nickname um, was Geronimo. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, somehow or another, Liz and I, I met Albert on the street. I don't know where she met Bobby, his brother, probably. I don't know. I can't remember. You're going to have to ask her, but um, here we were, Liz Larkin and Leslie Lark, the dancers. Um, dating the St. Germain brothers. So that was, you know, a small town. That was something to be noticed. Yeah. (laughs) 
Did you, and you guys didn't go to the same studio, right? You were at separate, different studios? No, and we were at the different studio. And then Liz had to remind me that we actually were in San Francisco Ballet at the same time, but obviously we weren't speaking. <laughs> they talk about rivalry and dance. No. <laughs> I actually think being stupid teenagers more than it was being, um, in, you know, in, in com- competition with each other. I think we were just being dumb, really. Um, so did she how did you find out about the show because I've asked a few people that there's quite a few people well who else I think Michael Erdley was he one that grew up in Reno ah, there's, so. I, I think he but it was like there's this giant giant hotel being built and I don't know if you're in Carson City if you're noticing it if there was rumor that this is coming and there's dancers or what did you know in Carson City about this thing coming or was it already there before you found out about it that they were looking for dancers um, well, sure, there was obviously a lot of media going around it. I mean, it was going to be the largest casino. And, um, and I'm sure that's what the news was talking about was the size of the casino, probably more so than the size of the show, which would be more interesting to us. And um, at the same studio in Carson, um, Mary Beth Massengill was um one of the ballerinas that and i my first recital was with mary beth i have pictures of her <gasps> and us and our blue tutus and uh <laughs> <laughs> we met her through the grapevine that mary beth got a dancing job i think she goes by mary so forgive me if i'm if i shouldn't say mary beth but um mary got a dance and we're like what like, you know how where why you know why don't we know about this and um, somehow or another acquired Don Arden's phone number and called him up. <laughs> and uh, we got offered an audition at his office in LA. And uh, so we got in a van and drove to LA. First oh, you road tripped it. Wow. You road tripped to LA <laughs> and walked into the office. And uh, we had made up a, a routine that involved a lot of kicking. And believe me, <laughs> we could kick. Oh my gosh. I love how big was this? Was it like a regular office or was there a studio? Yeah, regular space? office. Just yeah. regular office. Oh, I wish there was video. This is like a movie of the, yeah, these oh. coming from Carson City to audition for this big producer in his office. There is a, a photo that I saw, probably somebody's Facebook page of Madame Bluebell in what looks like Don Arden's office with her leg up. I've and seen that. That's his office. Okay. Yeah. And that's where you auditioned. I don't know, but it she was in an office doing that. It looks like it, and that's what we were doing. So we um, we went in there and um, and we started our routine. No music, and we're like five, six, seven, eight. Here we go. La la la. Left, right. Ball change, and then kick, 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 <laughs> kick. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, that was enough for him. Okay. <laughs> Oh my gosh, this is so great. So, um, and um, anyway, so the rest of the rest of the time with Don Arden was, you know, talking about the fact that he wanted to hire some topless dancers, and we said, oh, no, sorry, hello, we live there, um, we're from there, we're not going to go topless, and um, and and you know, I think. I, don't, I wonder how much how entertained he was really by by us country <laughs> bumpkin 
And, um, and you know, when I heard Liz's story, I, I just, you know, I just was, I was surprised, but not surprised because I know Liz. Yeah. Uh, and, and she's like, tacos, sure. <laughs> so yeah, we're both from Carson, but but we're like, no way, unless it's sure. Because <laughs> so well, I was, I'm from a small town in Washington, but my fear was that someone that knew I was down there would come down there. And I was yeah. on this, not, I was on the same coast, but not worrying like the same town because I just didn't want people to know. I just thought they would understand. And there was the principal from my school was down there and sent a message backstage. I'm like, no, I don't want the principal of my high school to know I'm in this show. And now I would have, I would do it with pride, but it's I, the, for you to be like 20 minutes. So that's a very different story than another state or these people that come from another country that no one will know if they want to keep it secret. There's, there's a, there's a different factor to, to your story that you're not. Yeah. Every, and everyone knows small towns, everybody knows everybody's business. And if they don't understand the show, it's going to definitely start a lot of rumors. Well, and just generally being shy and, um, I remember my first costume fitting I and mean, it was for blue sleeves and the, the, the top had these chain threads of uh, rhinestone connected to the sleeve. And, and it was really, you, you could hardly put it on by yourself. And, um, and certainly you didn't put it on by yourself during a fitting. And, um, and I was called to go backstage to do my fitting. And there, here are two men um, I'm sure gay men, but that didn't matter to me. They were guys and, um, they held up the, the, the bra top thing with the sleeves attached. And, um, and I, and I went to put my arms in, in there and they said, take off your leotard. And I said, oh no, that's okay. I'll just leave it on. And they said, no, take it off. <laughs> um, <sighs> okay. <laughs> I, whether or not I had a bra on, I don't remember, but in any case, I had to take that off as well. And so, I mean, it was, that was a big leap. Yeah. Well, then you said, was, because also you, you were in LA, so you did your fitting. So Don Arden had you do it while you were in LA to go get fit. Can you tell like about the, the, the contract too? Cause that's a different piece than like, Hey, you're hired. You didn't get like, Hey, you're fully in from him. Right. Yeah. So there we did in the office. Um, he decided that uh, we, he would give us temporary contracts and, um, and we said, okay, okay. And I actually think we signed temporary contract papers, which they must've adjusted it somehow <laughs> and edited it because why would you have that? Or I don't know, maybe that was common. Maybe that was MGM for all I know. And, um, Anyway, so they sent us off for a costume fitting because everything happened there. And, um, and that's where I first met Daryl and Rowe. And um, she was busy getting her fitting. And I don't know how many details you want, but- I, we're all, It's all bluebells, we all get it. <laughs> it's all bluebells, but as far as I remember, Daryl was standing there in her thong and said, hello, as we entered the room. And uh, there were the jaws down our, our, our humble little country bumpkin selves. And, um, and then they proceeded to measure every single body part. I mean, like that tape measure went everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and then they took a clipping of our hair um, so the wigs would match. And, um, and 
fast forward, we show up for rehearsals and um, not, I mean, we just assumed that we were the only people who didn't actually have a contract. So it's my sister and me and, um, and another friend who she was short. So she was, she wanted to be a pony, which meant um, topless, obviously. And um, she got cut because she didn't pass the, uh, the topless audition when all the girls had to stand on stage and drop their leotards. And, um, and then after, oh my gosh, um, a short period of time, I was offered my contract, which is completely bizarre because I had been sort of recruited by the local pageant people. And um, having tried out for Miss Carson City, and I got first runner up and then, and, then <laughs> and these people come in and they're modeling people and um, and they said, we'd like to groom you for, you know, Miss Washoe and Miss Reno and this, that and the other. And I said, OK, and um, it was scholarship money. And um, so I had started rehearsals without a contract, you know, getting paid to dance wow in the biggest show in the world in the biggest casino in the world and um and i walked up to don arden after rehearsals one night and i said excuse me i'm going to be missing for the next couple of days i can't come <laughs> because <laughs> i have these rehearsals <laughs> <on> the <pageant. laughs> and um i mean why he didn't just say never mind don't bother coming back i have no idea um unless he found that somehow entertaining so I just didn't show up for a couple of nights and um, nonetheless was offered my contract shortly after that. And then um, my sister who um, had, <laughs> she struggled with her uh, less than voluptuous figure. And, um, and uh, do you want me to tell what happened? Yeah, yeah. Cause I think a lot of us have those awful stories and we understand yeah. how that humility is humiliation is oh, horrible yeah, because Don did not hesitate to humiliate I don't think you know I don't he may not have even seen it as humiliation he would just fly off the handle and he, uh, we all know he had a very mean side to him and, um anyway so at one night he yelled at my sister and said you're not going to be in my show you're not sexy enough and get off of the stage or you know all sorts of things that he said flush yourself down the toilet I think that was what he said to Daryl in one night and oh. um yeah and uh, she had her contract <laughs> yeah and um and so my sister came back with a vengeance and um I, you know I might be piecing a couple of stories together but um Tim Mackey, bless his heart, um, you know, he, he was among the few who, who sort of saw us as easy targets and, 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 and maybe came to the rescue a little bit and um, helped cue my sister to do sort of a makeover and, 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 and she came back, um, you know, rehearsing with a nice big push-up padded bra on and a gold belt and fishnets and hiked her leotard up and and um and she worked it let me tell you <laughs> she worked it and um after a couple of nights of that uh, don arden was was pleased and uh and offered her the contract you know over the microphone in front of the whole cast oh and, my and, gosh and, 
you know, and, and, and really, I, I think everybody cheered at that moment. She, not that anybody knew or cared who any of us were, but, um, but, uh, you know, we could all appreciate that, you know, that story. When I hear these stories of him, just whoever he's going to yell at, and it's horrible to hear someone be humiliated. It's also like, thank God it wasn't me. You know, if someone else is getting yelled at, like, okay, thank God it wasn't me. So you feel bad for them, but also like, maybe I made it through one more rehearsal without getting that wrath. Because as your, as her sister, that must've been really hard to see her singled out like that too. And Oh yeah. And we, I mean, we were just basically terrified uh, of 90% of the time. And, you know, during rehearsals, you'd, we'd be sitting around for hours, sitting there, sitting there, sitting there, oh, you know, just like relentless and, you know, on the carpet. And, um, and suddenly they'd say, group on stage. Or, and, and we'd just jump up and run on stage. And it's like, go. Oh, wow. It's like, you know, this constant flight or, or, or fight syndrome going on, the adrenaline in your body where you're, you've got nothing, 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 nothing. And now, you know, you're about to be attacked by the bear and you'd better do it right or you're going to get flushed down the toilet or, you know, not get your contract or whatever. It's amazing so, what um, dancers put up with because to be paid to dance is like, oh my gosh, you're going to pay me, but I mean, you're going to put up with a lot of shit of, of that right. stuff. And it's, it is like a lot of people could just walk off and you're like, it must be worth it to stay. Also, you know, Don's not going to be there the whole run of the show. If you can survive the bear <laughs> through the rehearsal, he's going to go somewhere else. But I mean, that's kind of that breaking down. It's like, you're, you know, if you're trying to build up a show, but you're breaking down the dancers, that feels counterintuitive. But some people like, I'll show you. We don't even know any better. I mean, if you think about ballet, all they do is all you get is criticism throughout the class, right? From yeah. the get-go. Like, do when do you get praise? Like after the recital, after the show? Oh, that was fabulous. Yeah. Or uh, yeah, maybe after the show you get that. But at dress rehearsal, you know, after that you get slammed. You know, so you're kind of used to it. And you know, I should I should pipe in too because. Um, Fast forward again, um, I ended up going to Paris and um, dancing at the Moulin Rouge and my sister stayed at MGM, Tony, by the way, and um, years went by. So after that incident with Don, you know, the early days, you know, I stayed there for two years, I left and then probably a year or two after that, I went into the Metro and got on the train and there is Don Arden and Bluebell on the Metro. And it was sort of speechless because first of all, why weren't they in a taxi? Because if I could afford a taxi, I would have been in it. Right. <laughs> and, and there they are on the Metro and, and I walked up to him and I said, hello. I mean, and you can tell I'm a dancer. You can you can spot a dancer five miles away, right? Mm -hmm. And and I said, I don't know if you remember me <laughs> from Carson City, and um, and uh, he said, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, How's your sister? I mean, really? my mind my mind was boggled. He said, How's your sister? Whoa! Wow. I know. So, you know, even though he was being a complete asshole, it's like he was doing it on purpose. Like somehow 
he was writing a story or keeping track of a story that he found interesting or entertaining. I don't know. The guy was unusual, <laughs> unique. Wow. Well, it's so interesting too. Remember, because there's so many thousands of dancers that they've seen over these years too. Wow. So the fact that they would remember anything feels kind of miraculous. Um, and I know maybe maybe those people that he wounded, he there's something in there that helps him remember if it's good or bad. Like, huh? So you, uh, why did you end up uh, going to Paris? Because I know, like, uh, I would always. Be, oh, sorry. sorry. I was just thinking, could you find out about other shows because so many of those dancers had done other shows. So. Was it like to find out about the Moulin Rouge? Because here you are from Carson City. Now you're exposed to all these other options. Oh, also, I want to go back because you lived at home while you're doing the show the first year because that's novel. The fact that you could like drive home after the show to your town and stay with your family is like that's I don't know how many people experienced Reno that way, but that's unusual <laughs> and wonderful. And you could kind of have that small town, like go home. And also, a question did people know that you were in the show? Did anybody come to see it or curious? Or was it like fodder for good uh, rumors or anything that you're in this show where there's topless dancers, even though you weren't? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the boyfriend was not happy. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, it was after high school graduation. So um, I worked uh, a year doing, well, first of all, I did road maintenance. <laughs> really? And, I wrote my this. My dad worked for the highway department. And so um, I got a summer job, really great money for those times. Um, hard labor. And that happens to be the first time I really blew out my back big time. Oh, wow. um, really? I mean, I hurt my back sort of permanently doing that job. And then, um, and then sort of, and then got into that pageant modeling thing. And, um, and so that was during that year, you know, year after high school, you just kind of, who do you see? A couple of co close friends probably. Yeah. And, and, um, and then, yeah, I mean, I don't even remember, I don't remember anybody coming to the store. In fact, I'm not even sure, sorry, the show. Um, I'm not even sure if they could, if we were all under 21. Did the audience, I think the audience had to be 21. I, no, I think it might have been 18. Was it over 18? Be because I had some friends from high school that would have been under 21 that came to the show. And they oh. would have only been, they, yeah. So maybe maybe it was just you couldn't have alcohol. Yeah, so but why did I care about all these people coming to the show? But alas, I did not. So maybe yeah. they were there secretly. <laughs> yeah, spying on you. <sighs> Yeah, but for sure, that's why we weren't topless, because in no way could we chance like having somebody come there. It, although at the same time, I do remember, even before that show, we would go to the So we thought it was okay. Um, you know, something topless, but, you know, not publicly topless, like on stage. Yeah. Um, so yeah, back to your question. Yeah, I met all these girls and um, and after two years of doing, oh, that same old thing, night after night, six nights a week, uh, well, what else could we do? And, um, and I had met Carol Spinks, somehow got close to Carol, who was a pony um, at the end of the row. And uh, Daryl and had already gone off to Paris to the Moulin Rouge. And, um, and so, and I had met Janine Norvik, uh, Norville at the time. And, um, 
she was, we became close and she was going to go back to England to visit her family and invited me. And, um, and, and we're like, England, England, the trip of a lifetime. Oh my, I can go with you. We'll travel there. It was thrilling. And, um, and so we, we decided among us um, that while I was there, we would pop over to Paris and I went audition for the Moulin Rouge. And you know, I, I don't remember why the Moulin said Alito, except that I know that Carol and Darren had, were at the Moulin. And um, so that's what we did. I spent my 21st birthday with Janine in a small town outside of London. And, um, and then we popped over to Paris and I auditioned for Ruggiero and got the job. He offered me the job and I walked out of the Moulin and I said, well, I got the job. And, and Janine says, oh, that's great. And I said, okay, <laughs> like it is. <laughs> that's now a big move. Wow. Yeah. Because so, even though you were doing this big, big show, you were still in your hometown. So now you're going all the way into girl, this. Yeah. yeah. And Paris, Paris is a big deal. Paris is like the, this huge city, which is very different from cowboy town. <laughs> <laughs> so you, because you, and we were talking earlier too. So you, like, if you work at the Lido, you might live closer, but you need, I'm going to say it wrong, Momar? I lived in Pigalle. Cause I had so much fun walking around there, but I'm like, Ooh, this feels a little scandalous. So because you, you couldn't, you needed to live close enough. So you're not doing taxis that late at night. So what was it like living there? Cause you told me a couple of interesting stories. Like, again, I, I have to put it in the context of what it felt like to be young and naive. Like I was like that too. And then to see these things that you've never been exposed to and to be right in P Paris and Pigalle, which is definitely not, not your normal Carson city streets. Oh my gosh, I really, it, for, for that time, um, so I, I went to Paris and, and Carol had offered me to stay with her. So I had a place to stay, I brought way too much luggage. And, um, and I had, you know, my rehearsal schedule set, I had a contract, I was ready to go. And, um, and I started rehearsals <clears throat> and there were two other girls who were rehearsing to go on the show. And, and one of them was just, she was just slightly, um, I'm going to say large, you know, I, you know, as I said, I, I'm at, at the time five foot nine and 120 pounds. <laughs> and, um, and that seemed to be completely fine in that business. And so this gal was curvaceous, you know, and, um, and she'd been rehearsing for some time and, um, and I met her in rehearsals. And the next thing you know, I was going into the show um, just like a couple of numbers at a time. And, um, but she hadn't gotten in the show yet. And I think she started to realize that there was something amiss. And, um, and, and she decided that, that she was just gonna leave. And she said, you know, I've decided, I, you know, I've been rehearsing for way longer than you have and I'm still not in the show. And, uh, and she said, do you want my apartment? And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> and she had this super cute apartment like three blocks away and people because you really needed to live right there near the moolah to be able to walk because you couldn't take the metro at that time of night and nobody could afford a taxi 
So um, those places were highly coveted. In fact, one my friend that I met there later lived above the Shanghai sex shop. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's what I remember thinking of all the sex shops. <laughs> yeah. And I lived near the shop Noir. Um, but you know, it was totally decent. The um it was a fabulous little studio apartment. And um, she just offered it to me and, and we just kind of transferred the lease right to me. So that worked. Um, when I was rehearsing for the show, I was just at that point, me and those, those two girls and um, learning the numbers over and over and over again. And it, I don't think it was until opening night or certainly maybe dress, no, it wouldn't have been dress rehearsal, but like the day of the opening number, I finally was placed in that number. And we all were backstage, we go take our places on stage. And, and I go right to my place. And I'm standing there and start looking around behind me left and right. And I realized that I have been placed front center. And um, I had no idea. I had absolutely no idea. So opening number, the curtain opens, and I'm front downstage <laughs> center person. I'm like the background girl. I'm chorus material, right? <laughs> and you can't watch out, anybody. <laughs> right? And that was Darylin's spot. Well, Darylin is front row center girl material, and she had that spot. And after she left, Ruggiero, the choreographer, would not give it to anybody until I showed up. And apparently, I heard this uh, afterwards, that he would, he was backstage saying, oh, I've met a new tall blonde American girl, and she's taking Darylin's place. All this uh, unbeknownst to me. So you can imagine how popular I was when I oh, show up having my yeah. own new apartment and, and, <laughs> Friend, and front and center on stage. And, uh, and also thanks to Darylin, who had a French boyfriend at the time. Did she uh, give him to you? I'm sorry. No, but he had a good friend who wanted Darylin to find him an, a, an American girl. <laughs> Welcome to Paris. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so here comes the guy and who happens to drive a Porsche with a phone in it. And this is 1980. <laughs> wow. I'm standing outside the Moulin Rouge at 2.30 in the morning after the show and we're all bedraggled and, you know, and everybody's smoking and getting ready to go have a drink and up pulls Patrick in his Porsche and, you know, off I go. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. This ain't Carson City. This is wow. not Carson City anymore. How are you going to keep him down on the farm? Yeah. <laughs> what show was that? Do you, what was the name uh, of the show? 17. Okay. Hey, the plot thickens because um, not long after I was there, the the lead the the lead singer dancer was um, a Brazilian woman, Watuzi, and she was leaving. I don't know. I guess her contract was up, and I don't know why she wouldn't have a contract for the duration. But I think they were always trying to find a, a Josephine Baker sort of replacement. And uh, Ruggiero, who for whatever reason took a liking to me, says, um, yeah, you know, I need, um, I, uh, Watuzzi's leaving. I, I need, who do you know who can, you know, be the next Watuzzi? And I said, well, Debbie DeCudro. Mm. And, um, and so basically, I, I was sort of the facilitator of that connection. 
uh, wrote to Debbie, you know, that's when we wrote letters back in those days and, um, and said, hey, you know, I think you might, I think you should audition for this job <laughs> or however it went. You'll have to ask Debbie. And um, well, and so Debbie was the next vedette of the Moulin yeah. Rouge. She got the job. And oh my uh, God. Yeah, so that was, in fact, at her audition, um, I was sort of there doing like background moves and, you know, leading up to the, leading up to the, you know, the play, the part where she would be singing. Because <laughs> she was in Hello Hollywood the same. Yeah. Because yeah, because we were there, you and I overlapped. So she was there. Well, then I did an interview with Billy Goodson, who choreographed for me to, for, I can't even say it. The next two after that, he did the new, the show that's there now for, uh, starts with an F. But he got there because Debbie DeCrudro saw him somewhere and told, uh, Oh my gosh. What is the Miss Doris? You have to Ms. check Doris. out this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it's just interesting how like all these stories are overlapping. Were you there right. with um, Marissa Burgess at ever at all? Maybe know. she's after you. Okay. Cause she was like the, the principal lead extraordinaire for a long time too. So I just love hearing all these overlaps of yeah. how long did you do that show? Uh, the Moulin? Yeah. Or MGM. Um, uh, the Moulin. The Mila, uh, only eight months. Uh, that nearly killed me. <laughs> that can-can I've heard is like destroyed oh, many hips. Yeah. After the audition, um, uh, Jeanine and I were invited to watch the show and great. They gave us champagne and everything. It was wonderful. When the can-can can came on, I mean, we, our jaws just dropped. I just thought, whoa, I, I'm not sure if I physically am up for that. Yeah. And, um, and furthermore, the can-can dancers were the lowest paid and we had mandatory weekly rehearsals and nobody else did. Really? Yeah. I mean, oh, wow. It was grueling and I got horrible sciatica, which I still have. And um, yeah, it was, it was gnarly. And so Carol and, and Kevin, the, our friend who lived above the Shanghai sex shop, um, a Canadian fellow, um, who we decided to end contracts um, in time. And so, you know, what you would have been under contract for a month or, or 11 or 12 months, um, but they all came due at the same time. And, and we, we decided that we weren't going to resign. And, um, and we were going to collect unemployment as, instead, <laughs> which, which we did. We, we were legitimate legitimate um foreigners in that country and we all moved in together and and shared the one bedroom one bed apartments it was a, a sort of a threes company thing um kevin <laughs> slept on the couch and carol and i shared the double bed and um and we did that until we got the next job was it at the moulin uh no the next job we we got a job in spain in Torre Molinos, and oh wow um, yeah, and there, uh, let's see, some of those gals were, were Lido dancers. Um, yeah, so, it, you know, it's, it's interesting how you network all that. But um, Yeah, it's like one job opens up 20 other jobs, which yeah, opens. Totally, up. yeah, yeah. Can you go back to Paris? Because you talked about the streets at night of who looked out for you. And I just thought that was such a, it just feels like that area of who was watching out for you on the streets at night. Well, so at the time we called them transvestites, you know. Yeah, different language now, but. Yeah, and, and so, and I mean, 
cross dresser. I don't know. I mean, everybody knew they were men dressed as women. It wasn't, there was no, no fooling going on. Um, but they, you know, they worked the neighborhood and they knew we were not competitive and, um, and, and we not competitive. We were not doing that for a living. <laughs> we right. were the dressers on our way home. And, um, and they really did kind of keep a, a, a watchful eye over us and, and they would intervene if, um, you know, if we were being harassed, which was constant, but if yeah. somebody was you know, was seriously harassing us, like the, that we were worried about, they, you know, they would intervene and, um, and we got to know them by sight. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they'd say good evening and whatnot. And um, so that was, that was a sweet little neighborhood thing. Um, <laughs> I love it. The apartment that I inherited had an electric toilet and uh, the, ele- the electric, the like electric, yeah. The electric toilet broke. So um, suddenly I didn't have a toilet in my apartment. And um, and there was a cafe across the road um, on, on the corner where I lived. And um, a couple little old ladies, they were probably 40. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, relative. Yeah. I mean, I went there all the time for my cafe and, and cafe creme and um, oh, what did I crockmas? Monsieur, really good homemade, you know, freshly made, not the packaged kind. Anyway, and um, so I went over there after my toilet was broken. I didn't know how long it would be till I had it repaired. And, uh, and they said, oh, I was the petite American. And uh, they said, you come over here anytime and you use our bathroom. You don't have to buy a cafe to do it. <laughs> and um, of course, that bathroom was a hole in the ground. And um, but you know, that's that's what they had. And um, in fact, I took my husband back there. Oh, about when was that? Twelve years ago. And uh, and I was taking him on a little tour, and I said, and that's where my apartment was. And and when my toilet broke down, I came over here, and we sat in that same cafe. And, and of course, I literally needed to use the bathroom. It's still a hole in the ground. They never put a toilet in there. Really? <laughs> they never put a toilet in there. And then um, and then the end of the story, when, when our contracts were ending, um, I was moving out of that little apartment and back in with Carol. And, um, oh, gosh, it was New Year's Eve. And I went to a club with the guy I was dating at the time and I checked my purse at the vestiaire and with my passport and my apartment keys in it. And um, it was either lost or stolen. So my brother had been visiting and um, we went back to the apartment and he climbed up the building and broke into the window and (laughs) and let us into my apartment. <laughs> but the door wouldn't close properly without the key, and and um, and plus I was in the middle of moving, and my brother was there visiting, so the place was in disarray, and um, and then the door wouldn't close properly. So the the lady across the street, uh, sorry, across the the hall, um, she ran the perfumery you know, right at the bottom of the building and um, the ground floor. And she saw the door ajar one day and she's, you know, she's like, hello, hello. And she kind of peeks in there and she sees the place in disarray. 
and um and you know i'm either at my boyfriend's or at carol's or taking my brother somewhere and um and the next thing i know the whole neighborhood is looking for le petit american because they thought something was wrong and oh my gosh yeah i mean the, the boulangerie knew me the the perfumery, the patisserie, the cafe, you know, the vegetable fruit place, right. they knew me. And um, they didn't know my name per se, but they knew I was the little American, which I don't know where they got the little part, but um, <laughs> young, I mean, little this way. young, meant little at the, in those days. Anyhow, so after several days of the neighborhood searching for me <laughs> informally, um, I went somewhere and they said, oh, ça va, ça va, are you okay, are you okay? And I'm, and I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. And because they had spread the word that they were worried about me. It was just yeah. that <laughs> Yeah, and that's what I, you know, people will say that they're snobby. When I was in Paris, I never saw that, but I mean, if you come in as a dumb American or an ugly American, you're going to be treated as such, but I've just heard such great stories and, and it's like everywhere there's good and bad people, but the fact that you've got the neighborhood because you were invested in your neighborhood, you're going to the local places that it matters if you disappear is a really good thing because probably every parent's nightmare is my daughter, my little American daughter is going to go to the big city and, you know, be taken advantage of. And you know, that, that's a, you know, you've had that time at Hello Hollywood Hello to kind of have a, a little ramp before you go to Paris. Um, so did you, what was it like? Was it to be in somewhere so different? I mean, all I could think of was the food, like to just go crazy on all the good food and the culture, but is when you're what, 20 years old, 21, uh, 21, I was 21 and oh my gosh, across the street from Carol's apartment was, um, a boulangerie and, um, she sent me over there in the very first morning. She goes, go across the street. She gave me the money. And, and get uh, croissant beurre. So it's not just enough to have a croissant, but we wanted a croissant beurre. <laughs> Probably put butter on it when it came back. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and incidentally, you know, I mentioned my height and weight earlier and um, at age 21, and for the first time in my life, I mean, we were scrawny, scrawny, scrawny little kids, you know, and, um, after about three months, Miss Doris comes up to me and says, Leslie, if you keep inflating like you have been, I'm going to have to give you a warning about your weight gain. <laughs> just, so yeah, the French food, apparently I was enjoying it a fair amount and um, I had no idea. I mean, I, the costumes are so skimpy. It's not like I needed anything adjusted. Yeah. And uh, when you're not in your costume, you know, you it's like, oh, what did I put on between, you know, the hours of noon <laughs> and and time to go to the show? I don't know what I was wearing, but it seemed to fit well enough. <laughs> I was worried about getting decent <sighs> shoes. I was saving paycheck <laughs> for a pair of Charles Jordan shoes. <laughs> well, yeah, just to be in that city, the shopping and the opportunities, it's, I think every time I do an interview, everybody's story, it just I'm in awe because I look at like myself, like, how did I go? How did I end up there? Like, it's such a weird story to be from a right. small town and to bear Like, it makes sense kind of sequentially. But when you look back, like, wow, that's that's not how I thought or anyone would think my story would go. And I think I'm just in awe. I think every time I'm in awe of someone else's story, I'm even more in awe of my own. Like, 
Right. Oh my gosh. Our life was amazing. And the fact that you, being a shy person, the fact that you took a risk to go do this kind of goes against like what you think of as a character of a sharp, a shy person that's now in Paris with a boyfriend with a Porsche and a, with a phone and, <laughs> and ex- out exploring the city. It's just, it's just so fun to hear everybody's story that we didn't really know backstage. I don't know what the conversation is probably about boys and I don't even know what we talked about. I know that the conversations were fun, but nobody really seemed to know anybody's story (laughs) except for the little bits. It's just, it's like, oh, it's kind of fun to hear it now and go, well, we're all kind of miraculous that we got into this business. Yeah, exactly. Well, especially, you know, like you said, uh, somebody, Narelle thought she was going to Rio and, and uh, Janine told me that um, after her audition, they all went home and got out the Atlas and (laughs) (laughs) where is this place? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah because they don't give you much time like you audition and then you're just packing your bags and going you don't really like okay I'm gonna go to college and do this you're just like kind of thrown into it and learning as you go in the middle of trying to rehearse and find a place to live figure out who your friends are well, so when you went to Spain oh sorry go ahead what are you saying I was gonna say well afterwards you just go there's an audition okay you're yeah. not entirely sure what you're auditioning for but you're definitely making the audition <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Got to get there, right? <laughs> so how the Spain, was that because somebody knew of the show that you ended up going there? Gosh, you know, I'm trying to remember. How did Spain happen? Probably some word of mouth, same way. And um, let's see. I, th- I think we didn't even have to audition. I think Carol got there first. I don't remember how. But I do remember I went and I was by myself and um, and I said, you know, I got to, um, well, before I flew, I said, now, where am I going? And they said, just tell, everybody speaks English, just tell the next driver you're going to these apartments. And, um, and so I said, okay, and I'll just go to the apartment and then what? And then you'll find us or whatever. It was just complete, like... <laughs> I realized that that I learned how to travel in a way that was didn't did not really serve me very well because I took so much in in you know faith. It's like, oh, okay, I'm gonna arrive there and I'll figure it out. Right. Planning. <laughs> so I, I get to um, Malaga and um, I hail a taxi and I say, Do you speak English? No. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to these apartments. Never heard of it. <laughs> so we're back and forth. I don't have I've got a, a very small piece of paper with a very little bit of information on it. He finally drives me to an English restaurant because he knew there were people in there who spoke both languages. So I could tell them where I wanted to go and they could tell him <laughs> where to take me. <laughs> So I'm in this English restaurant in Torremolinos, getting getting directions for the taxi driver for the apartment, and um, and and there are three of us stayed in that one bedroom apartment, and um, and then and I got went to the show that night and and started rehearsals soon after that. Oh my gosh, Jose Montez, if anybody knows him. Uh, there he choreographed shows in Tormolinos and Tenerife. A lot of went to Tenerife, and I'm—I don't think Lascala. I think that was Jose. 
but um, Jose was the best. He, we'd go to the beach and um, because that's what you did, you know, you go to the beach and you get a suntan and, um, and we would see him at a restaurant, you know, right on the beach where you could sit in the chair and have your feet in the sand. And, and we'd say, oh, hola, Jose. And he'd say, come on over. And this happened again and again and again. And we would sit down for lunch and he would just order and order and order. And we drank and we ate. And it was like, well, rehearsals. Oh, rehearsals started it too. Um, well, if Hello. Hello. <laughs> I was like, and she's gone. All I heard is rehearsals started and we've been drinking and I'm so curious where the story goes. <laughs> um, um, so if you were not there with Jose and, and you just went to rehearsals, you would be at the stage door locked out. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, it was so loose. That was probably the best job I had because it one show and it was at midnight for like 90 minutes and that was it we were free all day and we were free all oh. evening and the show was a piece of cake and you know and it was it's spain so they're up late and so after you know after the show we just party or whatever yeah and um that was a great gig short but good did you continue to, to do more shows like that for a while or like because i'm just curious like why people end like if that's injury or babies or life well, change. That era for me, um, and even when I was in Paris and Carol and I think both Carol and Daryl and um, really had, they'd made the connections and I would just got, you know, fell into my lap. Um, was very trendy to have fashion shows. And, you know, they had music and, you know, they did these little tidbits and stuff in their outfits. And, um, you know, those gorgeous runway models, the, you know, Naomi Camels or whatever. Well, a lot of them were totally klutzy, and probably most of them. But here we were, we were dancers and we were tall enough and thin enough. And uh, so we got hired for a whole bunch of jobs. And I mean, it went, even when I was working at the Moolah, you know, I'd get up in the morning and it's like, ugh get on the metro and, and, you know, till the end of, end of the line where they had the, um, basically the pret-a-porter I did, you know, that the, basically a convention for fashion. And, um, and so this, the same thing happened after I did, ended up doing one more, one more like pure dance job at the sporting club in Monte Carlo. Oh my God. Oh, wow. big. oh the best. <sighs> I worked with um, Ben Vereen and oh. Joel Gray, and I, I can't say worked with, but um, but they performed Ella Fitzgerald. That's how old I am. Oh my <laughs> gosh! Gerald was performing, and we we were the um, we were basically the warm up act, and um, and then and then the headline person would come in, and um, oh my gosh, Prince. What Alex was life? What was life like in Monte Carlo? Did you get to play and 
and be uh, have time to do things. Play time and um, I, uh, Claudette Walker was the choreographer, and um, oh my gosh, that job! She, she's short, super short, and most of the dancers were short. But Claudette happened to have um, a thing for a tall dancer. And um, I think she wanted that tall dancer for herself. And, um, and she needed another tall dancer on stage. And that's how I got the gig, not because of my ability. <laughs> Literally, that was one of those shows when I was part of off the wings, you know, behind the curtain and back on stage again, <laughs> and kind of behind the curtain again. <laughs> Once I had a, I had a total blackout in the middle of a number. And, and all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, the choreography was so fast. Be like, jump on one, down on two. And I mean, down like flat on the stage. And I'd be still coming down. Oh you know, my like God. Tall person is very different. <laughs> it's tall very person. different. We, we got too many limb, too much limb to get back up and short people are yeah. like, back. <laughs> so there, there was this big layout moment. So we're like up and then boom, back bend, like flat back, but in a back bend position. And my mind took that very moment to blank. So, you know, everybody's in this layout back bend and I'm standing there. <laughs> <Ta> <laughs> oh my God, Claudette came backstage and she's like, Leslie, what is the matter with you? <laughs> but I was Chantal's partner and she needed Chantal. So <laughs> <laughs> then, oh my god okay the dumb blonde story so ben vereen is there and um he is to he's coming on stage as we're, we're running off and um and so ben vereen selects me to grab the mic i'm like back in the corner right so i'm off stage i'm i'm to grab the microphone run back on stage place the microphone and then He's, you got, ladies and gentlemen, Ben Vereen, and there I am. <laughs> and I do a little bow, a curtsy to him, and he does a little bow to me, and then he starts his act. So, I mean, you can imagine my heart was just, I was just Twitter-pated over the whole thing. And um, so we do the rehearsal, and, you know, and they go, ladies and gentlemen, and I put the microphone down, and and you know, Ben Vereen on runoff. And um, well, apparently there was this big white X on center stage, which I failed to see, um, but that was where the microphone was supposed to go. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> she's like, oh, she's like steaming out of her ears. And she says, no, 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 Leslie, go away, you know, and she picks <laughs> She picks this guy to do it who's super cute and a fabulous dancer. And she said, we're gonna have you know him do it. And and Ben Vereen pipes in and he says, No, 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 I want her to do it. Like, why would he pick the guy, right? He wants the girl. Right. And um, oh, I want her to do it. And I'm like, holy shit. Okay. <laughs> and so we do it again. And um, and so this time I'm like, okay, I'm gonna find that X. <laughs> I put that microphone on the X. I'm like, yes, nailed it. 
and um and I and I stand backstage and now we do our little curtsy to each other and um Ben Vereen walks on stage and and, and part of his shtick was to like kind of stumble into the microphone <laughs> and so he stumbles into the microphone and then he turns it around because I had pointed the mic to the audience <laughs> <laughs> you don't get to be a stagehand <laughs> he still didn't fire me he, he let me do it so um i got to introduce ben marine in that show despite oh wow. <laughs> oh that's so good so did yeah. you just did you kind of just i'm always curious if people like their bodies are giving out could you have just kept on going to all these fun because monte carlo in paris and spain was there like what's next or were you just like what what made you oh, well. end Oh my gosh, how am I going to keep you on the, the, the universe alone? But the, there's another great segue to that because I was staying in an apartment in Nice that had been sublet by oh. somebody via Darylin, Darylin again, my <laughs> adopted sister. And um, so somebody was looking for a model. And, and, and so they got this number for Darylin who had been recommended and um and so i'm at the apartment one day the phone rings hello um and they said oh we're looking for daryl and i said oh daryl no she doesn't live here anymore and um and they said oh well are you a model and i said well yes i am <laughs> <laughs> just assume all models live together in fact i am a model and i can dance and um and so I, I sent off my photo and resume and I got hired and, um, and, <laughs> and I left that job. And when the contract was over, it was just a summer job. It, oh, it was highly coveted because it was in the modeling world when you were busy doing these shows and seasons and whatnot, the summer was a dry season and this was a summer job, a summer dance job. So I totally you know, I got the jackpot on that. But um, so I went to Germany and started working for this company where I stayed for four years and toured all over the place, blah, blah, blah. And so <sighs> it was basically my body was doing very lightweight dancing. Yeah. And mostly modeling. Um, so it wasn't until fast forward at the reunion, um, Sherry, I wanted to take a poll as to how many hip replacements there were in the room. <laughs> I just come from mine. I was two weeks yeah. out and I did hear there's a very, very high number. Did you, did you get an, a number? No, uh, no, no, nobody was interested in, in taking the poll somehow. <laughs> I heard 20 something, at least at the reunion. And then on the face, on the Facebook group, people that didn't go like Jerry Tasson, I, yeah, I didn't know there were men that also had it. Well, I'm just thinking if you had stayed at the Mulan longer, you wouldn't have had the rest of these wonderful jobs. Like your body probably would have. Oh, my body Not did let you... fail. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I, um, I went to, um, I ended up going to Cornish um, College of the Arts in Seattle and I got my BFA in dance when I was 30. Cornish? Are yeah. you serious? Oh I my gosh. I love Cornish. Oh, wow. Okay. Cause yeah. I'm not far from Cornish. I've taught, I taught, I choreographed one piece there. It's a beautiful school. Oh, wonderful, wow. yeah. wonderful dancers that come out of there. And you did it at 37. I graduated. Yeah. And you know what? My body was in primo shape. It was like probably better shape than, you know, since the early days of MGM when we were literally dancing really? all the time, but, but this was way better balanced, you know, and Kitty Daniels, the dance chair at the time, um, she was really into healthy dance. You know, she didn't want 
Yeah. In fact, I had got accepted to the UW, but their dance program, they didn't acknowledge the fact that the, an older dancer maybe shouldn't do the same regime requirement. Um, you know, I was old. Some of those girls called me mom. You know, I was the age of their mom. At 37. And, um, now that sounds so young. <laughs> and I'd had a million hours of ballet and I'd had a professional career and, and Cornish acknowledged that. So, um, so I didn't have to do, I didn't have to do any ballet. And um, anyway, so did you, I, I did that. At, sorry. Oh, did you know Wade Madsen? Was he still, was he oh, there yeah. then? Oh my gosh. Oh my. One of the people I met there. In fact, oh, I, I didn't this. know he was a teacher. Oh, he's amazing. He's fabulous. Yeah. He's still teaching. Um, yeah. Oh, I love him. I just love Wade. So you had, it's, what was I, it? A master's? What was it that you graduated with? A BFA? Uh, bachelor. BFA, bachelor's. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. really amazing to do it after a professional career. Because some yeah. people do that and it doesn't really help you get a professional career. But the fact that you went the other way, what was the reason you did that? Well, after I sort of retired, um, I moved to LA and, 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 and I thought, now what am I going to do? And, um, and I saw an audition <laughs> at community theater for Camelot. And I thought I always wanted to do a musical and, um, and I suddenly realized that I didn't really have any other skills except I was a really fast typer and, um, <laughs> You know, I could do, I ended up temping and doing secretarial things and working for $5 an hour. Um, oh, but I man. did this show, um, Camelot, and um, oh, my, oh, suddenly I forgot why I digressed to that. Oh, just oh, I asked oh, why you got okay, your BFA. Yeah. So the, the choreographer and the director are both, they, she's no longer with it, but they are seriously high IQ um, intellectual, smart people. And then I was meeting their family and their friends and, um, you know, and I would, I was talking to them and I'm thinking, why don't I know all this? How, how, why are they so smart? And I'm not, (laughs) (laughs) I thought I've got to go to college. And, um, (laughs) literally when, you know, when I was graduating from high school, the last thing I wanted was more school. I thought, I'm done with school. I want out of here. I want to dance. But I was too stupid to know that I could go to school and dance. Um, At the same time, we didn't have any money. So I probably wouldn't have been able to pull that off anyway. Um, But so I started my first college course um, in LA, $5 a credit at LA Valley College. And um, I was pushing 30. And, um, and I just plugged away at community college until I got my two-year college transfer, took forever. Um, and then I transferred to Cornish. Um, and then when I left Cornish, I went to school again and I got my teacher certificate for Washington State. And um, basically that was one semester short of a master's, but I didn't get a master's because that wasn't a master's program. Mm. Um, but I did get a job after that teaching dance in public school in Vancouver, Washington, which was sort of a dream job. It, well, it was a dream job to be able to teach dance to people who might not be able to afford it. Yeah. Um, and that was that Anne Green Gilbert creative dance. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's yeah. That stuff is good. Her, her the brain pro- dance. Is it the yeah. Brain dance? Yeah. 
She's, I, I live two minutes away from Creative Dance Center where that where that's based out of. I'm like, where is that? I go, oh, I moved out here. I'm like, I'm right next door to it. I Come trained, up and I trained there. Yeah. Really? Oh my gosh. These circles keep getting smaller and smaller. When you come back to Washington, uh-huh. we have to we have to go have a drink. Yeah, that, that'd be great. But uh, anyhow, so I, that was all leading up to the point that um, the end of my second year on that job, I broke my foot. I broke, and I had just bought a new pair of ballet shoes. And I mean, I was still dancing, but recreationally. And on Whidbey Island, um, have you heard of uh, Whidbey Island Dance Theater? No, but Whidbey Island's magical for so many other things that I believe it would be good. <laughs> well, I found a very big dance community there. I mean, they all just kind of came out of the woodwork and I started performing with them. And um, and then I so I was still dancing and then I was doing this sort of like, you know, amateur performance, but we all were, you know, really well trained. You know, my friend had a master's and that, well, two, two girls had master's degrees. And I mean, we're, we were all professional dancers, but we were just putting, putting on a show. Yeah. And, and um, so anyway, I broke my foot, the sesamoid bone on the bottom of my foot, life altering. Um, I spent 13 months in a cast. Wow. I was, I was on crutches for 11 months. And, um, I, you know, it's, it's damaged. It's like a permanently <laughs> damaged thing. And, um, I can't help but wonder if that didn't sort of preserve my hips. <laughs> yeah. because I had, you know, I had to change everything and, and everything is still changed. Um, and, and so maybe that gave me a little bit longer hip. <laughs> yeah. Hip <day. laughs> but being on crutches for 11 months like that's hard on the body on so many other levels too of that compensation and upper upper i'm sure upper body's nice and strong that was before uh scooters besides yeah (laughs) how how did how did you end up in your your husband how so you made a life change are you doing anything with teaching or dance in hawaii uh well after i broke my foot i found pilates in a classic story injured dancer finds yeah and um and I, ha- I had a studio in Langley and, um, and then, you know, once you've done that, you don't know what else to do, like dancing. And uh, so I've actually, since COVID, I, I was, I had my own, I have a tiny home studio. And then I was teaching in two other studios, one in Hilo and one in Waimea, which is opposite directions from where I am. But I basically COVID quit and, um, Last summer, I started teaching in the park, and um, I've had more people come to my class in the park than I have ever that ever came to my studio. Really? Oh my gosh, that sounds like heaven to be outside in the fresh air doing Pilates. Fabulous, yeah, yeah. And people okay. need it for their mental health right now, and being outside and being safe. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Weather permitting. Um, yeah, we, yeah. Uh, I went for twelve weeks without getting rained out, and I'm on the rainy side. It was pretty cool. Oh my, your story is fascinating. And I wish we had, we'll have to come back. I'm actually doing a thing for the Patreon page called Circle Back. And I'm going back and re-interviewing because there's never enough time. And people's lives change a lot. And then if you, you know, there's some people when I started in March, we were just starting COVID. And now a year, their stories have changed a little because life has definitely, you know, made us have to switch some things up. So I will definitely want to come back if you're willing to do more stories or maybe we could get you and Liz on at the same time. 
well, and do hilarious. I, we, we, very good as well <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to um have some cocktails and then do it <laughs> uh, so, sherry who's going to interview you um one of my good friends she's one of my students she did interview me we called it uh and turns a table so she said no we kind of planned it because I felt like I need to tell my story so I have like the context of why this matters to me and it was really interesting to be on the other side of it um and I've been interviewed by Athena who has her she has a, a podcast called showgirls live so we actually cross interviewed each other and oh. then it ends up turn it all turns into a therapy session with every time we talk we go into the we're talking about sexual abuse and the patriarchy and we go into all these uh, we, we go deep. And so every time we get together, it's kind of a, a way for us to just talk as, you know, on both sides of the, of this conversation. So as you, when you look back, are you kind of in awe? This is my, my big question lately. Are you kind of in awe of your life? Like when you start talking about it, because a lot of us didn't really share afterwards, like what our life was like, you go into the next chapter and kind of leave that. And then friends of mine, when I started telling it, they're like, what? And I just thought, oh yeah, that is kind of a magnificent, you know, like I'm like, we swam with the dolphins here and hung out with the blue angels. We had dinner, like the fact that you introduced Ben Vereen, that's not the normal woman, our age's story. And so I just, I'm kind of in awe of everyone's story. And in my own of just like, oh yeah, this is, this is unusual. The life we got to live. Yeah. You know, it, 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 I think it's a lot of cases, the, the, the old fart, you know, walk down memory lane type of a thing um and you know and you know what and to talk about old fart like <laughs> if if we live to be really old then it, you know and the same thing for people who are really old right now you know they have stories too and how do you know that it's not an amazing story but you're treating them like an old fart um yeah. <laughs> when i moved here i met a gal um from bainbridge island lived right up the mm -hmm. road from me and um and she she invited me to some sort of gathering and and was introducing me and she said this is leslie um she's a dancer and i said i said well thank you for not saying she used to be a dancer yes oh my gosh yeah you know it's like you don't say oh you know um yo-yo ma used to be a cellist right <laughs> Oh you know, man! You know, yeah. So why do we used to be dancers? Um, anyhow, and I thought, well, thanks for that. Really mattered somehow, and and yeah, everybody, you know, it, it's it's very sweet. And bless you for doing this, and thank you so much. I mean, it's it's so much fun. And I had I've interviewed a few eighty year olds because. I mean, we've been losing bluebells. Like, I mean, I think we all, it, it's been going on, but now that we have Facebook, we know when we've lost someone. So it feels even yeah. more like, I want to tell the stories because now we're the old farts moving into that next yeah. one. But there was one 80 year old I interviewed and her granddaughter reached out to me and said, thank you for telling her story. Like had, like had never heard these stories. Like I've heard a few people say that, like, I didn't know my mom did that. <laughs> like, um, so there's oh, something of... Yeah. yeah. So I think if it feels important is, you know, the, there's not the same amount of shows. There's hardly any shows anymore. So preserving this, there's books that are being written quite, and there's a lot of people that are doing things to, to, to safeguard these stories. So I just feel like we all started doing it about the same time where it maybe just feels like important. I think COVID kind of magnified that when we don't even know Broadway, you know, like we don't know what's coming. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, this like, we want to honor that we got to do it. Uh, well, we did when the eighties, when life was like, pick a place. Where do you want to dance? You could go anywhere in the world, basically, and live that life. Yeah. 
So I want to thank you, but I really am going to reach out to see if Liz, if we can get, get all three of us on a call and uh, laugh. Maybe it'll just be for us. We'll just laugh and not know if anyone's going to listen to it. I love her just so much. Yeah. I'm glad that she connected us. Sorry. I'm glad that she connected us because she said, yeah, contact, contact Leslie. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Liz. She knows I love her. And, uh, and thanks, Sherry, so much. Thank you. You take care of yourself. Enjoy Hawaii. We're finally getting <laughs> spring here. So we covet that sunshine. Okay. Take care. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye.